Shalom and welcome to the upper room. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, yet again. Um, get yourself cozy, settle in. Uh, we're going to be uh, diving deep once again. Um, this week, um, it's a, a very deep uh, topic uh, in terms of the, the tenets of the faith and our walk with uh, Yeshua Messiah. And um, I'm very grateful to be uh, joined by two dear brothers, um, Andy and Grant. How are we? Shalom, brother. We're Shalom, good. brother. Yeah, thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Um, this week we're going to be talking about um, conversion, conversion to covenant, um, the fullness of the faith within the uh, within the depths of the Torah. Um, you know, coming to Messiah, uh, Yeshua, uh, realizing that we have uh, salvation in him, um, but yet also we have a divine instruction and uh, a joyful uh, journey of sanctification after this. And uh, I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to get uh, a couple of different perspectives on what it means to walk out the Torah, to be a, a, an observer of... Um, Yahweh's mitzvot, his uh, his loving commands. Um, so yeah, without further ado, um, we'll we'll get into it. So yeah, thanks again for for, for joining us this week, and uh, yeah, it's greatly appreciated. Um, let's let's just start with the with the from the bottom up. Um, your your salvation experience, your your uh, your path to. Uh, receiving uh, Jesus as, as as your savior, and um, you know, just for context, we've got two different perspectives. We 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 have Andy who has a history within uh, the realms of of, of uh, Christianity, as it were, and we have Grant who who came straight to Torah, uh, fast tracked, um, and uh, yeah, so it would be great to get your perspective. So, Andy, if you wouldn't mind uh, taking it away, bro. Yeah, sure. Um, <coughs> thanks a lot again, bro. I um, was called to faith coming up to about three years ago now. Um, my wife uh, grew up in the church, in the Catholic church, actually, and she, um, I know, had been praying for me to, to come to faith. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a funny time, you know, 2020, the world went a bit mad, um, and uh, we just felt very called to start reading the scriptures, um, I just had it on my heart to, that I knew I needed to learn the Bible. Whatever was going on in the world seemed particularly evil to me, and I knew there was a good out there. I'd gone to um, an Anglican school, so I'd had like a sort of a grounding in it, and I'd always enjoyed like things like chapel at school, you know, the sermons and the preachings that we used to receive a couple of times a week. Um, but without going into a full testimony, you know, basically um, my wife's from America. She got stuck over here. Um, during the lockdowns and stuff and and we just got into the scriptures and I just immediately knew like that's where the truth was and I fell in love with it straight away I was self-employed at the time I had loads of time you know I could listen to audio books all day and, and I was doing like eight ten hours a day just just couldn't get enough of it and um obviously you, you self-taught for a while and you're out there on your own you know um I got into a guy called Chuck Mislu probably a lot of our listeners will be familiar with um, just because he had a, a massive series of audiobooks on on Audible, so it was just the easiest way to go through the scriptures for me while I was working. And um, year one, basically, I was just self-taught. 
I was learning from him um, and various other sources, you know, on YouTube and stuff. Um, but I picked up, like, a, obviously, uh, it took me a while to sort of get discernment and I would get confused. I was, you know, get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, like it says in, um, in, in the word. And then year two, we sort of started really seeking fellowship and wanting fellowship because I'd been sending emails out to various churches and stuff to see most of them were on lockdown. Most of the ministers didn't get back to you. In fact, the only guy who did get back to me uh, was a Seventh-day Adventist, um, which is like really prophetic, really, because obviously he started coming around our house for Bible studies and stuff, and um, you know we, he was all about the Sabbath and all about the end times. So um, that all chimed true to me, and I thought, you know, maybe this guy's onto something. But I looked into it more and, you know, went down the, the path of testing the prophet Ellen White and I was just like, no, it's not for me, you know, it just, just doesn't ring true. But I held on to the, the Sabbath and I held on to, um, <coughs> you know, I, I could see the signs of the end times because I'd been big into conspiracy theories in my early 20s and um, I saw the signs of, like, you know, the NWO and stuff rolling out before me in, in 2020. So I was like, this is it, you know, this is this is from the enemy and, 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 and the elites of the world work for him and... Um, that was that had been my worldview for 15, 20 years anyway. So it was a quite an easy path to come to the truth in scripture. But um, yeah, so um, we got involved with a little evangelical church in the end. And, and that was on a Sunday. And I, I knew it wasn't right, you know, because I knew it was about the Sabbath. And, and me and my wife had tried to keep the Sabbath for a little period of time um, in our own foolish way. <laughs> We'd order takeaways and sit in bed <laughs> where this is resting. <laughs> Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, appreciate, you know, you don't get it all right at first, do you? So, um, yeah, eventually we come to um, a Christian church, if you like, and then um, we, we loved it there for a little while, you know, we were there for about three months, and um, yeah, we, we were getting on really well. They they showered us with love, you know, they were great. Cat, yeah, we had a little, little baby, and they just loved her, and, and they saw her basically born, like Cat was pregnant, like, eight months pregnant, I think, when we started going there. And, um, yeah, it just came to a head, really, when they brought in mask rules. And um, I felt very clearly, like, the father told me, you're here to witness to them about these rules. And I was like, I just didn't want to do it, man. I didn't want to write to six church elders and tell them, you you can't make me wear a mask in your church. um, So I just very politely... Um, wrote them an email and said, look, I can't do that. It goes against my beliefs. I don't believe any of this stuff that's going on is real. But what it really drove home to me was, like, you know, there's something wrong here. That, like, you know, you've got a book there telling you that the enemy is real and that he's in charge of all the kingdoms of the world. And yet, you, you know, the government's telling you to jump through hoops and you're just doing it. And mm. that just didn't ring true to me at all. And anyway, obviously, I've walked away from that fellowship for that period of time and I just felt I felt the father had told me that I absolutely had to do that otherwise their sins would be upon me you know, I was in the book of Jeremiah at the time and he told me to go to Ezekiel he took me to the passages where and I just knew he was telling me I had to do it off the back of that he brought me to Armand House so I just saw that as like you know confirmation that that was what I was meant to do that was my purpose there in, in that church at the time and then sort of coming to Torah sort of everything just started making sense and you know talk about the fullness of the scroll and um yeah just the arm and house way of 
bringing the Torah to light and seeing Yeshua on every page. It was just so deep, so meaningful. The Hebrew, everything started to just make perfect sense to me. So um, this is the path that we've been on ever since. And funnily enough, my first time at Almond House was also Grant's first time as well. Oh, is so, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we came together, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, beautiful. And uh, all in his timing, obviously, and yeah, that brings, sure, us, yeah. brings us to now. So, um, yeah, so you, you had a faith. You, you you understood about God, about Jesus, the Bible, and um, but there was something missing, something that you were yearning for for, for most of your life, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, praise you he's, he's brought you to here we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll investigate the um uh the impact of uh not just the fellowship but more importantly the word uh and how that's impacted you uh we'll we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that but um yeah grant we'll hand it to you bro so obviously a slightly contrasting uh situation um yeah, t- did you have any, was there any faith, was there any idea about God, any thoughts of Jesus, was there anyone uh, in your family growing up, you know, like, mm-hmm. give us a, a bit of context to, to your... Uh, to your uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, so, from when I was uh, two years of age, um, this is probably the first memory I've got of feeling that something had a hold of my life. Um, when I was two years of age, I grabbed a boiled sweet off the side and just swallowed it, and it got lodged in my throat. Um, and I was choking up until the point where I was actually bleeding from my eyes. Yeah. Um, my mum ran me out into the main road, holding me in her arms, screaming and screaming and screaming. Um, and it just so happened that the person that overheard her was a trained nurse and got this sweet out of my throat. Um, and it was from sort of that point where my first recollection of I was sort of meant for something more. Um, then going a bit further forward to as I was seven years of age, uh, I got trapped between two rocks while swimming um, underwater. So I was drowning um, and nobody saw me either. Um, the only person that knew I was in there was my brother. And he came looking for me and saw me under the water and got me out. Um, if he didn't know I was there, I would have drowned. So once again, I was saved from death. Um, my grandma was sort of the only figure in, in my life of, of someone who had a relationship with God. Um, at the time, she was in the Sunday church. Uh, so it was around about this time where she would then start taking myself and my, my older brother Craig to the Sunday church. Uh, for me, it was just somewhere to go on a Sunday with my grandma. That's all, that's all it really was for me, whereas it was Craig, really, my older brother, who started to really get um, an understanding of of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was a bit older fell out of the Sunday system completely. It, it never really held any weight with me anyway, if I'm being honest. Um, so I kind of just fell away from it. Um, and then when I was about 12, 13 years of age, uh, I started going to a Friday night. Um, it was sort of like a, like a youth club 
where they were trying to do a thing of getting the kids off the streets into the youth club, and it was held in a church. So I'd started going there, um, really got talking to the people that ran it, who were Sunday, you know, Sunday um, church goers, and it, it was then that I I'd sort of made a commitment to them and said, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, so they took me up to a to a room at the top of the church, and we prayed. Um, asked me if I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I said, yeah. And I was expecting this sort of like, oof, you know, yeah, (laughs) like revelation, (laughs) I'm saved. And it just was not that in any way, shape, or form. I came out the room, went back downstairs, and just felt like that was a massive waste. That's what I felt like. It just, it, it, it had no bearing on me. I was exactly the same way as I was before I asked, doing the things that I was doing. Um, so anyway, fast fast forward a few more years, um, certain things started happening in my life, which I thought were um, unexplainable. Um, I kept finding myself in situations where things were just happening that I couldn't explain. Why was I there at that place at that time? I was there for a reason. Something put me there. Someone put me there. Uh, so I started asking questions. So the only thing that I'd known from my youth was the church. That's the only thing I knew. I had no concept of, you know, the Sabbath or, you know, the Torah, anything like that. It was just, right, who can I go and speak to? I'll go to a church. I'll start asking questions. So I walked into a church that was near where I was living at this time, Um started asking questions and I was explaining to, to Andy before before we started talking when I walked in there it was just an empty building mm. there was nothing in there for me I walked into the place and it was just I felt like God was not in there so again I fell away just doing what I was doing um, and then I started this was only last year started receiving um sort of dreams um, where I I believe I was being shown certain things. Uh, I, I won't go into, you know, too much detail on what they were, but I, I believe I was being shown things. Um, and what I was being shown that I now know that I didn't know then was the book of Revelation. Um, so, again, I'd been to the church, I'd asked questions, not got the answers I was looking for, didn't feel God in the place, so I thought, there's only one other person I know in my life who has had a walk with God for as long as I can remember, my grandma. Come on, Sonia. Come on, Sonia. <laughs> Come on, grandma. So she came round to my house one day, um, and I knew she was keeping the Sabbath. Again, I had absolutely no knowledge of what the Sabbath was. For me, when she always kept the Sabbath, we would always say at work, uh, it's just an excuse so she doesn't have to come in and work on Saturday. <laughs> we were all sat there, you know, selling. Um, so you, you worked in the same place? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. She, she, we, we both worked for my dad. Um, but she was the only person that I knew who, who'd had a, had a walk with God and kept the Sabbath and was different to everything else that I knew. Um, so I started asking her questions and I was expecting her to give me answers. And she didn't, and she didn't deliberately. What she told me to do was go away and pray, um, which was probably the best answer she could have give. Mm. Um, well, was most definitely the best answer she could have <laughs> give. And um, I did. 
and it was a few weeks later I'd not you know brought up the topic again with my grandma I just went about my business doing what I was doing and I was at work one day and I just felt it really heavily come over me um so I sent her a text message and I said do you mind if I come with you to your next meeting um now at the time this was during covid during lockdowns so she was like does he mean the sabbath meeting or does he mean these like protesting meetings against COVID? Because it can't, it can't be the Sabbath. It's Grant. He's not going to ask to come to the Sabbath. Um, so she texted me back and I, I said to her, I said, no, you, you Sabbath meeting. I want to come. Um, and she brought me the, the one week. It was the, like as Andy had said before, it was the same week Andy had come. As soon as I walked through the front door of the Almond House, everything that I felt was calling me this whole time, this hand that was on my life, me searching for God, as soon as I walked through the door, it was the Hallelujah. God was in this place. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I have very vivid uh, memories of that, um, <laughs> of yourself, obviously, Grant, because you are, uh, uh, how can we say, an impressive specimen, <laughs> not easily uh, forgotten. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I remember that very clearly. And uh, just having a heart for you receiving what it what it was that y'all had in store for you and for you to to, to have eyes to see and uh praise y'all and, and that was how long ago uh that i came to the almond house yeah um well it was it was actually this time last year so we've got it's coming up for a year yeah, now this is pretty much a year, a year to the day pretty much yeah um and it's been a beautiful um it's been a beautiful thing to witness when i said at the stop the, the top of the show about fast tracking yeah um my man's been on a crash course for this past year and it's um it's just been an incredible uh an incredible incredible thing to behold so um we just give you all the glory for that sure. um so when it came to uh i don't want to say first impressions because obviously that's that's like a surface level reaction when you said about the answers that you were looking for and uh the impact that uh you know, we could say the Almond House, but obviously the Holy Spirit was moving in your life at that time. Yeah. Um, what was it the Spirit was revealing to you and showing you that that you hadn't seen elsewhere before, and where you thought, no, this this is this is speaking to my heart, but my intellect's also being satiated. Like yeah. I'm 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 receiving this and I, I'm getting it. What, what what do you think? In hindsight, was was coming to the fore for you? Do you think for me? Uh, <laughs> I can on, I can honestly say that I I truly believe that God sheltered me from from false doctrine. That's how I feel. Um, when I'd been to church, the words they were speaking held no weight. Um, when I'd gone looking for answers to questions that I had, the answers that, that they gave to me, um, again, I, it just it didn't resonate. But when I came to the Almond House. And, you know, I, I think the, f the first teaching that was done, it was done by Joe, I believe, when uh, when I came here. Everything that he said, it resonated with everything that was going on in my life at the time. And I just truly felt that God was speaking through him into, into my situation. Um, and I know, you know, people can say, oh, well, you can, you know, you take words and twist them up and apply them to your own life. But it was, it was too, you know... To pinpoint. It, yeah, it was too pinpoint that the things that were going on were speaking into my life and the things that I was experiencing. And like I say, from the moment I walked through the door, I felt God and then I heard him in what was said. So that to me is is why I knew this was truth. And uh, 
therein lies the the um, the crux of uh, what it is that what it means to be um, you know a, a disciple to, to to study and to to do the Torah essentially is that um, through the the Torah cycles we then start to um, it's symbiotic we start actually assimilating the word with what goes on in our in our lives and yeah. now it doesn't mean to say we're literally seeing the Mersey part. <laughs> and we're walking across but like no we, we're seeing a correlation between what we're um being taught what we're seeing in the word uh both on the shabbat and in our uh in our own personal time and then it starts to come alive uh we start to see that this is truly the living word yep. and i'm written in the lamb's book of life and it it, it just uh, the, the whole dynamic just opens up so it's a it's a very powerful thing to experience and andy how was it for you um obviously you, you mentioned there about um you know your time in in the sunday system as it were and um coming to the the, the fullness of of the torah um but was there anything that was particularly speaking to you at that time where you were just like wow like i feel like i've i've got it like this is this is it this is the one like yeah so um when i said earlier about like when i first come in it's like depth um that really hit me that, that's kind of what i was hinting at really the um it actually taught me to talk about shavuot really I, I think joe gave a particular sermon on that day um because <coughs> the, the main teacher that i had he'd always taught that uh, even though he was from a dispensationalist theology and background and, and there was a lot of things there i had to unlearn when i when i first started coming on this path he wasn't like specifically about replacement theology. He was a bit against that, but um, he did teach that there was a different destiny between like the church and Israel that they were separate entities, and um, you know having having to unlearn that really and see yourself as Israel was was I think what, where the, the penny started to drop, and um, I think that's what they miss in the Sunday system really is their identity and. You know, because they'll say we're children of God and, and, and whatever. And, um, you know, bless them all. I'm not here to bash the Sunday church at all. But I think when you get that, um, that's when it comes alive to you. And, yeah, it took me probably a couple of months of coming here, really, until Shavuot. And, and um, I'm a big believer in that in that scripture that says um, to be doers and not hearers of the word. And I think that's especially true of the Moedim because, again, Chuck Mislow is a, big proponent of the Moedim, he, he said, you know, repeatedly throughout almost every audio book I ever listened to, um, the big problem with the Sunday church in this day and age is that they don't understand the Old Testament and they don't understand the prophetic nature of the Moedim. Mm. Like, you need to know the Messiah's appointed times in order to know him. Yeah. Um, but he just never made that extra step, you know, to, to recognise in his own um, identity as an Israelite and when I started to do the Moedim, that's when they came alive because I tried, man, to understand them. I just didn't understand them. I tried and tried and tried, and it wasn't until I started to do them that they started to make perfect sense and, and the beauty and the depth of them started to come to life. And it was on Shavuot. You'll remember this like it was yesterday. Yeah. I, I'll never forget it. I was sat <laughs> next to you at the time. But yeah, Joe did this teaching about being in the Lamb's Book of Life. And wow, it hit me like a train, bro. I was just like, what? We're in the book. We're in the book. And then that pattern just started unfolding in, in everything, in everything um, 
you know, I think it was leading up to like baptisms as well, because mm-hmm. um, and just the, the prophetic nature of like when you start seeing your life tracking the Torah cycle, mm-hmm. um, it's something that you know they're obviously totally missing in Sunday church because they're not doing the Torah cycle. So that's I think the the absolute depth and the beauty of it, and like you say, just brings the book to life. It's it's absolutely immense. I think there's a, a tendency, not just in a Sunday system, but in a sort of Western um, uh, mind frame that we, we, we like to put things in a linear format because that's just how we're, we're, we're built. Um, and I, I think I- in hindsight, my my interpretation of being written in the Lamb's Book of Life would be this, oh, I'm at the pearly gates and then I'm waiting for this moment to see if my name's in the in the book, you know. And that's not scriptural, that's not biblical. Um, and like you say, when you actually start, um, at, you know, doing the Sabbath, entering into to his appointed times, it comes alive and you're like, oh, no, I'm in the book of life because yeah. the book of life is now. The Bible wow. is happening yeah. now and I'm here and I'm taking... And then your head just starts exploding. <laughs> so um, that that's... Uh, and I remember your face when when Joe <laughs> dropped that one. So uh, no praise, you It's it's incredible. Um, the the moed, the 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 appointed times, the the the, the feast of Yah. Um, uh, I mean, I run out of superlatives, but Grant, like, talk me through your um, what what the uh, what the feasts have had on you in terms of your walk and your first year of, of doing Torah, as it were. Yep. Uh, what, what, would the, what would the Moedim to you like? Obviously, we had the culmination at Sukkot. Um, just talk us through your experience and, and uh, the, the impact that it's had on you as a, as a believer. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we're, we're, we're called to um, you know, keep and guard the, the Sabbath um, and the Sabbaths as well, you know, plural, um, we're talking about the Moedim and, and, and keeping the Moedim, protecting those. And I think it's it's key to understand as well that that word keep, um, when we look at it in the Hebrew, is is to guard. Um, but it can also be representative of, of a sword. Um, so it's, you know, it's a spiritual guarding. It's like a spiritual warfare, warfare so to speak. Um, and I think it, it's it's vitally important to us that you know we we do remember these days and we sanctify them and we and we keep them um, in line with how God commands us to keep them within the Bible. Um, obviously, this this Sukkot that's just been uh, it's my first first Sukkot that that I've that I've experienced and you know wow what what a what a blessing it was it was absolutely amazing um, and it just. When you when you're in Sukkot and you're in that that environment, you're surrounded by brothers and sisters. Um, it's such a blessed time for all of us to be together. And then you can be a bit sort of you come out of Sukkot at the end of it. You can be a bit maybe fearful of going back into the world, or you can have a bit of anxiety and oh, I don't want to leave Sukkot. I just want to stay here. Yeah. But again, coming back to that idea of keeping, what does Sukkot do for us? It arms us. It arms us to go back out into the world with, you know, the word of God, um, you know, speaking to people, not just speaking to people, but doing these things. Amen. Um, it's not just about what we say, it's about what we do. Um, just coming back to, to what Andy was saying there about, I think the Sunday church system has, has missed certain things and it becomes, it becomes religious um, where you're just 
oh, it's Sunday again, I'll go back to church. Monday rolls round, you fall straight back into, you know, your old self. And it just becomes a habit. Mm. This is not a habit. Mm. This is a way of life. You know, I am a son of God and I have a relationship with my father. And it's about doing the things that he asks, not just talking these things, but doing these things. Um, So yeah, that, that's what it, that's what it meant for me when we, when we keep them or redeem, it's, uh, you know, we go over the Torah cycle, the repetition, we keep them all we do these things, and it's all a sense of remembering um, what brought us to this point and also to celebrate his kingdom to come. Amen. Um, yeah, uh, amazing points. Um, the the element of uh, remembering what it is that we're called for mm. and, and, and what we're actually here, here to do and how the Moedim gives us the, uh, the timepiece uh, the inspiration, the resource, um, everything that we need for the Great Commission is is uh, is born out of the Sabbath and, and, and the Modim. So it's a massive. Um, and again, it, it's it, it's not like a redundant, empty. Right, I'm going to go here, turn up, go. It, it's it's active, it's living, and it's uh, it's an everyday. Yeah. You know, pick up your cross and follow me. Um, we could, I mean, we could dive well deep on what you were saying <laughs> there, uh, Andy, about Israel identification um, and identity, uh, the politics that are involved within the church system and, and within um, the world's perception of what it means to be Israel. And again, it's not until that uh, you you start diving into into the, the the fullness of the word that you can actually start wrestling and, and ask, asking those questions. And I just wanted to say that that's a very challenging. Um, thing for for anybody to do to, to to claim Israel as it were to be part of um, uh, be part of that covenant. Um, but I think today um, we we did the uh, Vayeki uh, Torah portion and what a fabulous illustration of what it means to be grafted into the house of Israel. You know, through Ephraim and, and Manasseh, and you know, we're not here claiming bloodlines because we're all Abraham's seed through through Christ. But it's it's the covenant through the tab, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's coming to the cross, it's coming via Yeshua, being grafted in, as it's stated in Romans, and identifying uh, identifying as no, no, we, we are we are spiritual Israel. This is this is uh this is our inheritance and our identity. So I think it's a very important um uh uh point that you make there, bro. Um perfect. So I think what would be great to to, to dive into um, now uh, with yourself, uh, especially Grant, I, I believe that that, that Yar is is calling a particular uh, man to to him. You know, uh, in a world that's devoid of masculinity, leadership, uh, truth, and um, those that are actually willing to to, to walk a, a righteous life, um, I think it's poignant that we. Uh, maybe dive into how the Torah um, has provided you with a, a framework, um, you know, and, and and that's you know, frameworks are not not a big enough word to describe what it is, but yeah. it gives you the the, the instruction um, to to be a man, to to be a father, to be a a, a husband, yep. uh, and a brother, and a family member, and, and likewise to yourself, Andy. So let's let's just let's dive into that. First and foremost, what, what's the differences between you as a man bet- before you came to the, the fullness of the faith and, and after? Yeah. Characteristics, habits, um, 
yeah, just just talk us through that a little bit. Um, I think one thing that I would that I would say especially is um, when before I came to this understanding, I had no concept of idols, and one thing that I had done is I'd made an idol of myself. Um, everything, you know, my wife will attest to this because it used to drive her insane. <laughs> um, but I used to have her, <laughs> believe it or not, and anyone touched my her, went near my her, it was just like, oh, get off, get it. I, would, I had this real obsession with my her, and then it was gone. <laughs> oh, th- I, when you said her, I thought yeah. you, you were referring to your no. wife. You touch, don't touch her. No. Her. Oh, hair. Hair, hair. Hair. Her. Yeah. For, her. For, for, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, go on. Um, so my hair, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to have a real, real obsession with it. Um, you know, I was, I was in the mirror for, for ages styling my hair. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden, it was just like poof. And I didn't have her, her hair. No, no, crack on with her. I'm, I'm good. With, I'm good with her. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd also made an eye out of myself in my in my physical appearance, in my in my body. I was obsessed with the gym. Uh, grew up with a with a dad who you know was a bodybuilder, uh, big man, very masculine man, strong man, real you know man's man, man's man. You know, a guy to really look up to. And I idolized him. Um, and through idolizing him, I idolized myself. Um, and this image that I wanted to create of myself. Um, and in that, it made me very, um, probably aggressive, I would, I would say is the word, because I had this image of, of being big and strong. And I'd seen, you know, my dad as a kid do certain things. And I felt like, you know, if that's what a man is, I've got to be that way. Um, and I felt like I had to assert my dominance in, in certain ways, which... Um, could maybe come across as, as really imposing and, and quite frightening to to people. Um, and then when I came into the to this understanding, the truth of the Torah, my whole concept of what it meant to be a man was just shattered to pieces. Um, we were talking about operating in the, the fruits of the spirit, and I was like, right. I'm gonna let's let's analyze the fruits of the spirit. Let's look at the fruits of the spirit now, and let me see how many of those apply to me and what I've done mm. um, in my life as as a friend, as a brother, as a man, as a father, as a husband. How many of these apply to me? If someone stopped me now and said, "Right, Grant, this is your last day on earth. How many of these can apply to yourself? If you don't apply this many, that's it." I'd be goosed. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you know, I was I was neglecting my wife uh, and my kids because I, you know, I was taking steroids and going to the gym, and then, um, you know, I, I would I would be going out, acting the big guy, um, getting involved in issues, um, putting my wife through so much stress and anxiety, and oh, is he going to get into this again? And uh, do you know what I mean? Just all this kind of stuff because I had this real sense this false sense of what it meant to be a man. Mm. Um, I also idolized things like games, PlayStation, Xbox, things like that would, you know, absorb a lot of my time. Um, and it was a real wake-up call for me one day. I was playing on this this game and the kids are playing in the front room. Uh, dad, dad, dad. And I went, shh, I'm playing on this game. 
And it was just like, literally like a lightning bolt just hit me straight in the face. And I was like, whoa, what did I just do? Got to put away those childish things, bro. Man, honestly, <laughs> what did I just do? Um, so I got up, unplugged it, drove into Wigan and sold it. Wow. I was like, nothing's taking me away from my kids like that. Not a chance. Um, so again, just, just coming back to the fruits of the spirit, you know, we're looking at this and, you know, all of it revolves around love. You know, love is at the core of it all. Um, you know, the children of Israel, we turn our face away from God, but he never turns his face away from us. Mm. He loves us. Um, at times I could punish my kids and I'd maybe a bit too harsh with the punishment. Um, and it was funny actually, because Joe asked me last week, uh, he said, you know, if, if Isaac's playing up, Isaac's my youngest, he's three and he's tough. <laughs> um, how, would you punish him to put him in a, you know, a naughty step or a naughty corner and things like that? And this is one thing that I've learned quite recently. Um, Mason was just an absolute dream mm. kid. Such a good kid. Um, Isaac's a test. Isaac's a test you know the the biggest stronghold that I had in my life was shortness of temper Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe Isaac tests that um, I can either fail or pass God gives me that choice he wants me to pass and I endeavour to pass Um, so I've had to rethink you know my actions and how do I parent my children Um, what example am I setting for my wife? If I do this, will she do this? Um, so I take Isaac once to one side and I put him in the corner uh, in the dining room, and walk off, and go and sit down uh, in the living room or carry on whatever I'm doing and just leave him there. Um, and he'll stay there. He won't be happy about it, but he'll stay there to sit and reflect. Um, but one thing that always happens is dad comes back. Mm. Dad comes back eventually. And he says, have you learned your lesson? Are you going to do it again? Okay, come back over here then. And that's how I perceive it with God. We turn our face away from God so many times and he says, okay, that's fine. I'm going to leave you over there. Mm. Think about it. Think about what you've done. Learn the lesson I want you to learn. And then he comes back and he redeems me and he brings me back in again. Um, and that's that's the way that I would say that I've changed in this short-temperedness um, it's just having having a sense of calmness and peace and really thinking about what I'm doing, operating in the fruits of the Spirit. Um, as we touched on earlier, it's not just about saying it, it's about actually doing it. If I was out there and I was saying all these things and then someone saw me acting that way, what witness would that be to somebody? Mm. It, it's not. Um, it would completely break that down. So I, I would say coming into the truth of the Torah, that is how it's changed me. Beautiful. Um uh, yet again, so many things we could elaborate on, but we'll keep it moving. Um, Andy, <laughs> with, with that um, being said, uh, we spoke about Grant's, um, you know, the impact of, of the faith on, uh, you know, as, as a as a man, and uh, touched on as a, as a father as well. But with, for yourself, um, am I right in thinking you you were married before? No, you were you, you were with Cat at the time when you were coming to Torah and, and whatnot, is that right? Yeah, so um, we originally planned to get married in the United States and then she got stuck here during lockdowns, so we had to change our plans and that's when we started getting called and reading the scriptures and um, yeah, we, we sort of came to, to a strong faith together over the period of that 
sort of couple of years um and obviously we were waiting for visas and things like that to work out um which took a while and then there was obviously a huge backlog waiting for weddings which yeah. pushed it back a little bit so it was about a year and a half into after we got called i think we finally managed to get our wedding sources okay so so with that um how would you say that the uh, you know you're talking about the depth of of the faith and the depth of the word? How has that impacted your your um, your marriage and the way you view like a covenant, um, both with Yara and 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 towards your wife? Has there been a, a, a discernible difference or a change uh, in that period of time, or are you, are you still on a, a learning curve? Yeah, no, <coughs> co- covenants. Um massive word isn't it and um in the scriptures it's all about covenant and um you know we 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 got we got married sort of just in a normal um registry office type wedding because obviously cat's family were from the the usa and it was too short notice for them to fly over so we just did it just the two of us and then we were seriously blessed this summer with the opportunity to have a wedding blessing Armand House there, and um, I think it's probably a day that no none of us will ever yeah, forget. Yeah, it was stunning. Um, you know, we wrote a ketubah out for each other. Um, we vowed each other into, you know, how we wanted each other to be as a husband and a wife. And you know, we really took that um, covenant that we had made previously in the previous. I think it was uh, September the 29th know that really <laughs> <laughs> and then um, she's gonna watch this yeah, she is. <laughs> i think i got it right um and then that that following june the third um we we really made a solid covenant you know in the eyes of yeah and and you know our brothers and sisters were there to all witness it obviously cat's family had come over from the states so like that was really when you know i think it took our marriage to another level although we'd been sort of very happily married and we obviously had a beautiful newborn baby and you know we were you know there wasn't anything you know we were in that honeymoon period anyway mm. that just really elevated it um the depth and the meaning of it to, to what it meant to us and um the most incredible thing off the back of that really was was seeing the spirit empower us to keep those vows because there's a couple of them like that I was like, oh, do you have to vow me into that? <laughs> I don't really want to do that. Um, so cats from America, they have a very hard-working culture out there. They believe in hard work and, you know, graft pays off kind of attitude. And, you know, in England, we're a, a bit less like that, I'd say. We're a bit more... Well, work it's shy. It's just an easy way out. I'll take the easy way out. Cat was like, nah, you, you know, you're going to be a provider, so I'll vow you into you're going to graft, mate, for this family. And um, really the spirit... Um, just started to just empower me in 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 that in that vow, and um, you know he, he got me a new job almost straight away on the back of it. And um, there was a period there of like extreme hard work, like six days a week, like long long hours. And it wasn't really until a couple of weeks later that Joe did a partial on um, the wedding vows and how you know um, people seeing them as like a like a command. Um, the wedding vows and and the depth of that understanding to say like no i will empower you to keep these vows and when i started to see him empowering me to keep my wedding vows to my wife i was like wow that's that's how you know he's in your marriage you know and the same was 
same for both obviously there was, there was one particular one I think I um asked that she um didn't allow ungodly counsel into our relationship um which was just a, just a little bit of a concern I, I had could happen at some point and um I just didn't want any like if I was making a righteous decision that I felt was based on the word of God and someone who wasn't a believer was influencing her in a right. different direction I wanted to know that she was going to re- respect the fact that I was trying to do the righteous thing and unbelievers shouldn't really have a say in anything um, to do with to do with our, our marriage and um, almost immediately he empowered her with just super godly counsel around her you know which she had in fellowship anyway but it became like a depth of a relationship and you start to see him work in her vows as well so yeah that was a, a beautiful thing to li- to, to, to see witness and um, something that really really blessed our marriage like definitely yeah it's amazing just um just out of curiosity uh i think that's wisdom there what you said about um counsel do you think is there a a point in which we can take uh advice from like family members who aren't in the faith do you know what i mean like say for example if she you know she obviously has a relationship with her, her parents or whatever and, and vice versa does that mean we can't like go to them and ask them their opinion or is it you know like where, where's the line for you on that one because that's i think that's i think that's wisdom but i'm just trying to see how, how does that what does that look like practically your parents are always going to tell you their opinion <laughs> you want it or not. but um i just think to be honest the way we live in this community it just it just naturally sort of gets taken away. You you will always seek your brothers and sisters' advice before mm-hmm. your family members because they are your family members and you value their of their godly counsel above anything else. And um yeah, you know, I'll I'd still ask my mum's opinion on something, but um I'm far more likely to listen to one of my brothers, far more likely. And you know, if you're not sure about something, you know, you, you ultimately you can always take it to prayer anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, be, and believe that the spirit will guide you into the right decision anyway. So, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, your parents' advice is worthless as soon as you come to faith or anything like that. You know, obviously not. They they still know you. Um, they've still known you all that li- all your life. Although, you know, they can sort of struggle to know the new you, the born yeah. again you. Yeah. Um, and that is like a sort of a bit of a challenge in itself, especially when you're early in the faith. You know, it does take it's taken my mum, for example, quite a while to yeah. get used to the difference. And yeah, I just think godly counsel is always the way to go, bro. Uh, and I think, particularly as a man as well, obviously we're we're all familiar with the the, the structure of things. You know, Christ being over the over the man, and man over the woman, woman over children. Um, that if we are um contravening that that divine order particularly as men we're, we're uh we're vulnerable to uh to the enemy basically so um i think that's that's wisdom um now evidently obviously being in this path together doing the walk together being on the same page um that's going to come with its challenges uh, as it is in its trials and and whatnot i appreciate that um, but one thing that I'm learning over these years is that not everybody has that same uh, same covenant partner. Uh, we have uh, numerous people who are uh, 
you know, in marriages, uh, have been married to uh, unbelievers, and um, I, I'm really learning a lot about the dynamics of that. It's not as black and white as I as I first imagined. Uh, now, obviously, we we do advocate, you know, staying uh, within the faith, but you know, much like Grant's testimony, he came to the faith uh, at a particular time. He's already married with children, um, so these things aren't aren't black and white. So, I, I, if you wouldn't mind, Grant, I wouldn't mind getting into the those dynamics of what it means to be, you know, in covenant with Yeshua, uh, yep. to be doing His ways, um, but obviously being uh, being married, um, having children. You know, what, what impact does that have uh, in terms of your decision making for, for your children? Yep. Obviously, you, you your head of the house, you know, is uh, and again, this can be as personal as you like or dislike. Mm-hmm. Um, is this uh, are you having conversations about being submissive to certain things, um, how you cooperate, like how you make these decisions? I just think it's a very nuanced, very um, case by case situation that we have with it with this, and there could be lo- lots of people out there who who, who are wa- watching or listening who who are in a similar situation, you know. And uh, I, I think it's a very very uh, interesting area. But ha- how does uh, your faith? How does the Torah? How does this walk impact your, you know, all of those areas? Yeah. Um, I think. My my wife is. Let me just start by saying this. My my wife has been extremely supportive of um, you know my my walk and my faith. Uh, she knows that ultimately, God comes first. Um, you know I, I love her with all my heart, but there is one that I love more, um, and there's one who loves me more than she does, and that's God. Um, so every decision that I make, I take it to God, I take it to Scripture. It has to, you know, be a decision that is made um, based upon God's Word. I would never make a decision ever that would put me at enmity with God. Um, again, you're looking at the, the, the period we've just been in, um, you know, Christmas and, and things like that. I had to say to my, you know, my parents and my wife, they had to understand that we weren't doing this. We weren't going to take part in it. If you want to get the kids gifts, get them a gift, but give it to them, you know, beforehand, please. Um, if I said to them, don't get them a gift, then that's not going to bless them. You know, my mom and my dad and things like that, it, it, it would crush them. Um, however, I'm not going to participate in Christmas. Um that was a decision that, that I had made. I checked it with people within the fellowship, um, asked for wise counsel on the matter, uh, took it to God, and that, that was the outcome that, 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 that I was given. Um, so again, I made that decision because it didn't put me at enmity with God. Mm. Um, but coming back to my, to my wife, obviously she's, she's not in the faith. She's not a believer. Um, she's been very supportive of the decisions that we've made in the house. For example, you know, um, not eating unclean meats, for example. Um, there was a lot of pork in the house. <laughs> there was a lot of pork in the house beforehand. Um, my breakfast was always bacon and eggs. It was, that was always the case. Um, and it, But it was an easy decision for me to make because I knew why. Yeah. Um, whereas because she didn't have that same understanding that I did, it was a more difficult decision for her to make. Now, Mason, who's obviously my, my eldest son, he's eight years of age, 
comes with me on Shabbat sometimes. Um, and my wife was very much of the opinion that <coughs> Mason was of an age where he made the decision to come with me. Um, whereas Isaac, being obviously was two, he's now just turned three, um, is not of the age where he can determine that for himself. So we, we kind of got loggerheads over this. Um, my stance on it was, yes, of course, he isn't old enough to make the decision for himself, hence why I am making it. Mm. Um, whereas she was very much of the opinion that, well, no, we should just let him do what he wants to do. And then when he's older, he can make the decision for himself whether he wants to come or he wants to eat pork or he doesn't want to eat pork. Um, anyway, she, we eventually decided that, no, that's not going to be the case. He is not eating pork, um, you know, or any unclean meats for for that fact. Meats probably isn't the best word because it's not meat because it's unclean. <laughs> You're not going to eat it, but anything that's unclean. Um, because ultimately, if I was to just let him continue doing what he's doing and then he gets to seven, eight, nine, however old it may be when I have this conversation with him, it's going to be much harder at that point to get him on the right path, mm -hmm. um, to get him doing the things that he, you know, that he shouldn't be doing. Um, and ultimately, what what father figure have I been then to, to say to him, well, actually, for the first nine years of your life, you've been doing all these things that you shouldn't have been doing, and I've just let that happen. Mm -hmm. But now, son, I'm telling you, no, you shouldn't be doing those things. Would it not make more sense for me to, to teach him the things that he shouldn't be doing now so when he is of age, he knows these things yeah. and he just it's just natural to him. Um, so, again, you know, some people w might say, oh, you, you know, you and your wife, you're, you're unequally yoked. Um, you, you shouldn't be together if you're not equally yoked because you're not, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. Um, but in, in the same breath of that, I've also known married couples who both have a belief whose marriages have failed. Mm. Um, because they weren't equally yoked. But my my wife, yeah, we have our disagreements. We know what marriages don't, but ultimately she respects the the authority that I have in the house, um, and she's been she's been extremely supportive of that. And if you'd known me before coming on this walk, and you'd have known Ange, out of the two of us, you'd have said she'd be the one that comes to God. Without question, she's she even now still people might see her and think she's far more godly than you. She always operates in a in a position of love and generosity and kindness and selflessness all the time. That's just her a natural you know um, mode, so to do, speak. Do you have do you ever have moments where you just feel like she's actually doing the Torah more than you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, I do. You know, but I think that this is why for me we're, we're not unequally yoked even though yes she's not a believer yet um let me state that um she's not a believer yet um she does operate in the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. um and she'll check me on things i'll check her on things as any good married couple should do you are there to support each other um and she does that for me all the time um but, but I also think as well, and we were talking about this earlier, Andy and I, um, about Job, the book of Job. Mm -hmm. You know, if you constantly lived in a position of everything was, was hunky-dory all the time, everything was fantastic, what trials did you really come under, what tests have you experienced? 
it's easy to give glory to God in that situation. But it's when we come under those tests and those trials that we are strengthened spiritually when we pass those tests and we get the opportunity to still give glory to God in those tests and trials. And that's that's the way that I see things now is, okay, yeah, my wife is an unbeliever, but that's deliberate to strengthen my walk with God. And when I when I am at a point where I am strong enough spiritually, she will come. She will come to this understanding. But I have to keep operating in the fruits of the spirit, showing love and, you know, kindness and gentleness and, you know, all these things to her. Um and, and another thing that, that sprung to my mind, this actually came to me the other day completely at random, um, was the prophet Hosea. Uh, the prophet Hosea, his wife, um, which was by divine appointment, mm-hmm. was Goma, um, who was, you know, uh, described as being a you know prostitute or, or a, someone who was, who was a harlot. Um, and it was very, you know, it, it, it's sort of, a good type and shadow or a good picture of Israel's relationship with God, God's relationship with Israel. Hosea was God in the situation and Gomer was, was Israel. And, you know, we can be adulterous and turn our face away from God. God is always there for us. And my wife knew me when I was a wretch, mm. just as God knew me when I was a wretch, but he still redeemed me. Amen. And I believe now I'm in a situation where my wife is seeking other things of the world. And I'm in a position now where I still love her and I can bring her back through God. Amazing. Um, you, you know, when you were touching on that, I was thinking, you know, teach uh, teach them, teach the children in a way so they don't depart. So I'm, I'm very much with you on that yeah. sentiment of, you know, boundaries and rules are, are compassion. Mm-hmm. Without without those boundaries and rules, you, you, you are... Uh, Showing a lack of compassion towards uh, towards your your children, whether you're a, a believer or not, we just happen to know where where the source of those uh, rules and boundaries co- uh, come from. So, yep. Um, yep. praise you for that. Um, speaking of teaching in the way, um, Andy, how was uh, how has this walk impacted you as a father? Um, what are your hopes uh, in terms of uh, the future for for your daughter, for for Millie? Um, does it is it a um, is it a comfort? Is it uh, is there does a does it provide a structure for for the way that you you parent? And how is a how is the impact of being in a in a community of others who are on the same page with that? How has that impacted you as a as a father? Do you think? Well, yeah, I think um, fatherhood is is really the central theme of, of the scriptures, and um, you know Yeshua is massive revelation really was Elohim as the father, God as the father and um, the blueprint and the pattern that's laid down for us throughout scripture through you know from page one in Genesis right the way through the patriarchs you go through Abraham and Noah and Job all these massive figures Jacob obviously that we've been in Joseph that you know, there's so much to learn in there to how to be a good father um because you're learning from the best, like you're learning from perfection. You know, we were made in His image, and you know, we know that the Messiah came and, and Yeshua was the express image of the Father. And our goal is to be transformed back into the image through Him. Um, so, 
like I see a lot of fathers in the world. I live opposite a school, and you know, you, you see what you just what anyone would describe as like good dads. You know, the world knows that fathers are supposed to protect their kids and provide for them. Um, everyone knows that. The problem is they don't know how because they don't know what they're up against. They don't know their enemy, um, and the enemy is cunning, and he's laid many 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 traps over thousands and thousands of years and right now the time that we're living in he's more powerful than he's ever been because he's got more ways to get to you than he ever has and you know it used to break my heart to see all those kids turning up to school uh, half past eight on a monday morning put masks on their face to walk into mm-hmm. school and i just my heart would break man it's so painful to watch and i don't blame necessarily like the parents for for doing that they they think like they're doing the right thing but because they don't know the scriptures because they don't know um, what they're up against you know they're very very easily led and um, deceived and um, what the scriptures give you is obviously um, a knowledge of, of your enemy a knowledge of turning away from the ways of the world don't want to follow the path of the world if the world if, if the whole world's doing something chances are it's a terrible thing to do <laughs> and you want to do the opposite so for me raising Millie in the way you know I, I'm, I've been a father one year you know just over so I'm no expert on fatherhood I'm still you know just learning on the job every day and you know Grant could tell you a hell of a lot more than I could about um fatherhood but um the beautiful thing about obviously being in this community is like you've got so many people who've been through it, so many experienced heads around. You know, we've got plenty of people who've raised their kids here, and um, and yeah, the and, and I just think the fact that you're walking out the commandments, doing your very very best to follow Yeshua and walk in His way, you know, the blessings that it brings onto you. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll cover them, and obviously we'll cover them. We're, we're all covering them in prayer all the time. You know, we're, we're asking for that um, hedge of protection around them in these days because, um, for example, like, you know, it's a tough decision this day, in this day and age whether to send your kids to school or not. And I respect parents who come to either judgment, really. For me, we've pretty much made up our mind that we're not going to do that um, because it's bad now, but, like, how bad is it going to be in three years' time? Mm-hmm. It, the acceleration of evil into our schools... Um, and into all facets of society, really, is just rapidly increased in the last five years, like yeah. beyond anything I've witnessed. And you know, I'm, I'm over forty now, so I've been around a while. But this acceleration is just is just so concerning. Like, and, and, it, and for us, you know, we have a great hope at the end of it. You know, it's it's like nothing to be um, scared of or, or worried about especially when we're in a community like this that try to live a set-apart life. But, um, yeah, just that thing of coming out of Egypt and you know, coming out of Babylon, and we, we believe that probably, you know, Millie will never go to school and we'll try and raise her ourselves, like, in, you know, in, in full knowledge of the truth. And, um, you know, that'll bring its own challenges. The state will probably have its say in that. They'll want to um, try and get their claws in and, and have an influence no doubt like they do through the medical system but again 
we're all here to support each other. We're all here to build each other up. We're all here to protect each other. Um, and I believe we'll get through these things together through prayer and through the protection of the Father. And, um, I, you know, I don't get overly concerned about it. When my wife was pregnant, I was terrified, like, what was going to happen? They're going to just come after her with jabs on day one and they'll be knocking my door down and there'll be a doctor there with a syringe at the end of the door <laughs> going, I'm here for your child. And, you know, none of that happened. And the beautiful thing about coming into fellowship sort of just after she was born was like, no one's had their kids jabbed. And it's like, so it becomes normal. So like the way that we're living, which is a rejection of the world and its systems and, and everything, just seems totally normal to us now. So this is this is the world. Um really does you know we've just been through a tour portion one of the funniest comments you'll ever hear in, in a parsha um becca described where we live as goshen head and um it really does feel like goshen like you know we, we're, we're so we're so blessed in this uh, community of ours you know everything does seem totally normal and then we go out into the world that's when i think this is the weird bit like yeah this, this, yeah it's um it's fascinating because again it, it's it's not about bashing the Sunday folk, um, but w- when I when I look at certain dynamics that we're living through at the moment, whether it be you know COVID, whether it be the education system, now in America you have the uh, the five hundred one c three sketch, you know tax exemption, you know, but written in that clause is that you aren't able to preach or teach on political issues, um, matters of the state essentially. So. When you have the church in bed with the state, you've got a, a very dangerous combination yeah. there. So, it, if if that's if that's what you're you're led to do and you want to do that, that's fine. But as as born again, spirit filled believers who are trying to do the word, um, it doesn't leave us with much option other than to you know start doing our research about health, education, and uh, how we're to to raise children in in such a uh, a, a funny climate. So, um, it's a real challenge and. Uh, again, uh, really advocate the strength of, of of godly counsel and being able to to pull from your brothers and sisters to to do this because we're all we're all learning on the job essentially. Um, you uh, again, uh, you make a, a really good point about uh, masculinity. Now we're in a time where uh, it's easy for it's toxic. It's it's toxic, <laughs> and and what what we're seeing is this phenomenon of the world crying out for strong men. So you've got a Jordan Peterson who, you know, who's exploded because society needs a strong man to speak on truth, truth issues. You've got an Andrew Tate who's, who's everywhere because he's, he's speaking some truth on some stuff. He's, he's being, uh, you know, uh, well documented in the media. Mm. Um, And again, what we're seeing is this byproduct of a, a desperation for, for masculinity, for, for real men to be, to be leading and, and, um, uh, being righteous, um, h- how do you see that, guys? Uh, does 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 the faith, does the Torah, like, d- does that shed any light for you? Do you feel any degree of responsibility, not only just for yourself, but um, yeah. you know, moving forward because we're on a, a precipice, uh, as we said in the um, Torah portion today, Vayeki of um, Pharaoh not acknowledging Joseph anymore, and we're seeing that now that that, that, that our society is not recognizing Yeshua every en- anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's the children in society that are paying the price. Do you feel like a degree of responsibility in in, in moving forward as, as men? Yeah. Do you want to go first or? Yeah. Look, uh, look. I, I before I came to faith, um, I was trying to prepare myself. You know, I was I was late to fatherhood. I was thirty nine, and in the lead up to that, um, 
I'd been, I got myself into sort of a stoic mindset of like, do hard things, challenge myself, you know, run as far as you can, get in the gym, lift weights and like do challenging things, go and climb a mountain at four in the morning or go, go at night and do it at night. You're on your own. <laughs> You know, just challenging myself. Um, and obviously that's all built on sand, you know, if, it, if it's, yeah. if it's not built on the rock. So, um, in the long run that, that did fail. Um, because when the world started closing in around me, I was like, oh no, I'm so vulnerable. Like it doesn't matter all this like physical work I've done. It's for nothing basically. Um, <clears throat> well, obviously what the Torah gives you is just like faith um, to see through these things and the, and the big picture and everything. You face every challenge with a, hopefully with a faithful mindset of, um, you know, knowing that really it, like like we were talking about Job again before. Yeah. It's just seeing the bigger picture of it all. Um but I do think like, you know, obviously masculinity's been under attack in our civilization for a long time. Probably probably would you say like when we were teens really that it, it was a very obvious There was sh- a, there was a shift. There yeah. was definitely a shift. When I was a kid, masculinity was still promoted as like, you know, men are supposed to be tough. Men are supposed you know, you were saying it was like the Arnold Schwarzenegger so yeah, the the, the, the hero archetype, you know, I'm I'm gonna come in, kick ass, get the girl, yeah, and make everything okay. Like that was that was the yeah the the narrative which was like to the time, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and then we started to get this drip feed over through like sort of American sitcoms, really, like your f- your friends and stuff, where it was like, no, men have got to be like so in touch and romantic and vulnerable, and you know, break them down, show their feelings, and and this kind of and then you start to get the presentation of men as like these like useless idiots and uh, oh, these oh, men, women have to do everything for them yeah um so we've seen this attack on masculinity and then and it's sorry to interrupt sorry. i just want to say for the record that i could list a hundred reasons why friends is demonic so um but, uh. <laughs> you, you, and me, you and me both bro. um yeah, no yeah. but you're right the the the, the homer simpson uh yeah. Yeah. peter griffin peter type, griffin you know, like yeah. buffoon like yeah, it's, it's Joe Biden. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, to answer your question, bro, absolutely, we have a responsibility to stand up against that and to show what it's like to lead a family righteously and properly, and um, you know, having that balance in the home of, of being the leader but not being a tyrant with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and making all making all your decisions in love, and I think like again, the he- the Hebrew understanding is is like really the key. It's like. You're the leader, but you're you're setting the example as a leader. You know, all the best leaders in the military, they set the example, don't yep. they? You know, they they're, they're the ones who are putting themselves out there. So, like, I try to, you know, be of service to my wife. Like, uh, with all the energy that I've got, you know, I, I obviously I've got a job which is like quite demanding as well. But I'm up early in the morning trying to follow the example of Job. You know, he got up early in the morning to make sacrifices on behalf of all his children, just in case, you know, mm. one of them had a curse God in their heart and sinned. You know, it's vital, man, to just mm. be a prayer warrior, get it, get up in the morning, fulfil your role, yeah. be that masculine um, power in the house, because you're the priest of the household, you're the prophet of the household, you're the king of the household, and you have to fulfil all those roles. Hallelujah, man. Um, and in that respect, you know, whether your wife's on the Torah path or not, like if you're doing that, she'll she'll have respect for you, bro. Yep. No doubt about it. And with that, before you go into that, Grant, as well, uh, yeah, feel free to elaborate. But you, you touched on 
um, you know, I, I used to go to the gym, I used to work out, lift weights. I, yep. I cared about my appearance. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Really. No, yeah, not so at all. So how, yeah, how, how is that, is that changed? That's yeah, what I'm changed, saying. Like, has yeah. it changed for you now? Like, obviously, we're talking about masculinity and, and these things are like yep. good things to do. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is that? Is that softened your approach? Like, Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still go to the gym, you know, I'll box. Um, these are all things that I did before. Um, eat a steak, demolish a burger, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to do. Amen. Um, amen, yeah. All um, day. All day. Um, so, yeah, you know, th- these are all still things that I'll do, but I come at it from a different perspective. Go on. Um, beforehand, I was going into the gym to sculpt me and, you know, right, I could do with a few more inches on my bicep or I could. I need more separation in, in the middle of my chest. And, you know, I was making an idol of myself and trying to sculpt my body like clay. Um, right, I need to do this, do this, do this. And it became obsessive. Whereas, yeah, of course, I will still work out because you should look after yourself. You know, this body was given to you by God. Look after it. Um, so I do it for health reasons, but, uh, you know... I'm not going in there making an idol of myself and, and whatever else. And unfortunately, there are, there are so many people out there because it's so prevalent now, you know, on um, social media and things like that, where there's this image of this is what you should look like. And if you don't come back, you know, there are so many people out there now that are, that are so depressive and happy because they don't look this way. Try as they might, they just can't look that way. Um, and I think it's extremely sad. Um, you've got people all over social media pushing certain images on you know take these supplements do this do that and you'll look this particular way they try and fail and it just crushes them mm. you know for me the, the the best message i could give out on on that is you know be the best you can be stop looking at somebody else and idolizing them and thinking oh i want to look like that i want to do what you know what they've done i want the wealth they've got mm. you know god gives us all what we can handle um, and I used this analogy to, to somebody the other day. If you know, if God gave you, um, you know, an oil rig in the middle of Saudi Arabia, and said, "Right, bring forth oil," and He gave me a shovel and told me to go out into the street and dig and bring forth oil, you came back with a hundred barrels, and I came back with a cup full of oil. Who's been more successful? Me. Mm-hmm. I made the most of what I had. Um, so stop. And I'm not saying don't try and and you know do the best you can you can do always do the best you can do but be happy with what you've been given um and god in time will reveal things to you um but yeah coming back to this image of of masculinity as a as a man yes we do have a great responsibility um to to our wife to our children to others around us um to be strong to be a leader to be wise uh to be a teacher um you know, we, we, we have to do all these things. But again, it's about setting the right example. Beforehand, my idea of masculinity was what you guys had touched on there, this sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone-esque type figure where you had to be sculpted and big and strong and dominant. Um, that was the image of a man. Mm. My dad was that image in my life, very much that. Um, but you should also be loving and kind, you know, just just because you're a man doesn't mean you can't be emotional. Yeah. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. If I'm angry, you'll know I'm angry. If I'm sad, you'll know I'm sad. If I'm happy, you'll know I'm happy. Um, and I think we we should be setting the example for our for our children in, in that way as well. 
um, and not trying to lead them into this to be a man you've got to do you know this thing and sculpt yourself in this way um, but just be an example to them you know be a leader sit down on a on a Friday night bring the Shabbat in sit down with a Bible and read stop sitting in front of the TV stirring at this you know this um, these images all over the TV and idolizing this this mirror that's just absorbing you and you're so fixated to it if you're doing those things or, you know, we've got a mobile phone here and you glued to it like this all the time watching YouTube or whatever, whatever you're doing, but watch this podcast on YouTube, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but whatever you're doing, um, what do you think your kids are going to do? They're going to emulate you. Um, whereas if you sat there with a Bible studying and your kids will look at you like Mason comes to me and he'll be like, dad, what are you studying today? And I'm studying this son. What does he do? He goes upstairs and grabs his Bible mm. and he gets in the word. And that is the example we should be setting. Stunning. I love that. Um, often, quite often, when we equate um, protection and provision, we can be thinking about food, shelter, mm. uh, money, um, rightly so. But provision is, is spiritual provision, is Absolutely. it? Is it yeah. not? So are you teaching them the word? Are you bringing them joy? Are you a light in your household? You know, are you having fun? You know, are you good to be around? Yeah. Um, I, I often neglect, uh, I'm perhaps hard on myself, at the prospect of being a, a husband or a father. It's like, oh, I've got to provide, I've got to provide. It's like, no, but you, you provide so much across the board. Mm-hmm. And again, when you're on the walk, when, you, when you're following the ways, when you're in the Torah cycles, when you're, you're in your, your, your daily, uh, daily bread, um, you... The, the spirit leads you in all things, right? So you're able to to uh, to be a joy, to be a blessing to those around you. So um, again, I just want to encourage any any guys out there because we all have different circumstances, uh, financial positions. Uh, provision is much more than just uh, just uh, what's in your bank account and, and and what you're doing. It's it's yeah. uh, the light that you bring into to those around you. Yeah. Um, praise you. Sorry to, to no 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 go on. In there, Darren. Again, um, we're talking about the word. Uh, and I mentioned this to you in um, the kitchen the other day. Uh, I think it was last Shabbat. Uh, you're talking about joy um, and, en- and enjoying as well. Um, it's not just about being so strict all the time. Um, there has to be parameters of don't do this. Of course there does. But you look at the first commandment that was actually given within the Bible, which was given to Adam. And the first commandment that, w- that was given was everything that the garden has to offer is yours but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. So the first commandment, he actually states in that I command you, enjoy everything that the garden has to offer. The first commandment that was given was to enjoy, yeah. to make the most of it, but don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's deep. And again, if you can't enjoy the fruits of your labor, it's like you say, you, you're, you're laying your life down, you're providing, you're sacrificing, like you say, Andy, you're up early in the morning. Uh, you're doing your bit, but if you if you're not having that enjoyment of the fruits of your labour, then 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 what's it for? Yeah, um, beautiful. I'm just um, picturing Millie's face now what, during a dance like David dance. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't really understand what's going on here, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, okay, then, gents. Any um, any final thoughts? Any any closing uh, things that you, you'd like to bring? Anything that I, I perhaps didn't. Um, uh, lead us with in terms of conversation was there anything on your heart that you'd want to share in, involving you know masculinity being a, all the things that we talked about I would just encourage everybody to get into the word um, 
the, the greatest example we have of being a father is in the word of God. It's God himself Hallelujah. Um, and Yeshua, the Messiah. You know, we, we see strength. We see love, kindness and generosity. So if you're wanting to know what it means to be a man, if you're wanting to know what it means to be a husband and to be a father, open your Bible. Amen. Love that. Andy, you're having a little flick for him? Yeah, no, but just, um, yeah, there's a, a beautiful scripture in Ephesians where it says, uh, I think Paul's, Paul's prayer, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Master Yeshua Messiah, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And that um, word family, um, I think in the Greek is pater, so it's like fatherhood really. So just to know really that like as fathers, um, we're in his role, aren't we? He's, he's given us that divine authority and with that authority comes massive responsibility and really before you get into it, like, you know, accept the responsibility um, that the authority brings um, because every father represents Yah to their family, you know, that, that's the role of, um, that's the role of uh, the prophet and, you know, the priest obviously is to represent the family to Yahovah and, and, you know, that's um, a big responsibility. It comes with a lot of um, demands. You know, we see in Exodus, don't we, that it's the fathers who are to sprinkle the blood on the posts of the house. Um, so, like, operating as the priest there, they're saving their family. We see Noah, don't we? Um, you know, he, he feared Yah and, and he believed him and he was a righteous man, so he built the ark and he saved family. And um, we all derive from Noah. He's, he's a, yeah. um, a father to us all, so... Just these pictures in scripture, um, and you know Abraham. You know he says he says to Abraham, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose you and and, and bring forth uh, the nations through you, um, and bless your seeds because I know you'll bring your children up in the way effectively. So, mm. you know we've been given this like massive authority and, and this massive responsibility, and um, just just to take that so seriously. You know I, I don't think you can meditate on it enough as as a as a man. And again, you know, if, you, if you're waiting for your family as well, you know, um, just prepare for that. Um, accept the responsibility before you've got it almost and, um, you know, get, get deep on your meditation into these things because they are, they, they are really fundamental. They're, you know, Yeshua says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Um, and, and, you know, it, we can learn obviously so much from studying his ministry, but he, ultimately he's, he's the way back to the Father, isn't he? We sing a song in the fellowship in my father's house is a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And every time we sing it, you know, you can just feel the spirit in the room. It's like, that's where we're going. She was the way. And um, we walk out he, how, how he walked. Um, we tr- do our best to follow him and emulate him. He's our saviour. He's our king. He's the coming king of kings. Hallelujah. Um, but ultimately, our goal is to be reconciled back to the father. And um, it's all on us, man. It's, it's it's on the guys like you know we're the head of the household you cut off the head of anything and it dies mm. so just to accept the role that you have take it absolutely seriously mm. it's life and death for you but it's also life and death for your family so just to accept that and 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 yeah like you say bro find the joy in it as well because it's a beautiful thing you know you know, a lot of men try to exercise authority in their household and they do it in a tyrannical way and there's no joy in that to exercise it in a godly way is joyous. It's yeah. beautiful. You know, I felt that so strongly this week. Um, we've had a, a beautiful week. 
um, of fellowship because we've all had a little bit of time off work with like bank holidays and stuff and we've really used it as a time to to congregate and to meditate on the words and to get into prayer and stuff and um it's just been a beautiful peace and joy in my home you know I've, I've been blessed with being able to host some of the gang and um yeah that's a wonderful wonderful thing to be able to bring into your household you bring in light aren't you the, the father separates light and darkness it's the first thing he does and mm-hmm. you can bring that light into your home um like grant says through through your dedication to the word through your dedication to yeshua and um and ultimately you'll bring your children back to the father for it and you'll you'll win them the goal of eternal life amen hallelujah uh absolutely beautiful um yeah really really well put bro um yeah i just like to say on a personal level it's it's uh it's a privilege and a blessing to be able to walk this out with uh two brothers like yourself um grant like we said earlier to see the transformation that yar's done in your life and to to see where he's brought you uh, thus far is just been a an absolute pleasure and a joy to behold um and may you continue to do it uh, andy likewise um yeah i'm just uh continually inspired by your, your devotion and your, your your willingness to be obedient to to the most high and um it's an inspiration and an encouragement to have uh, uh two strong men and, and other strong men in the fellowship to be able to to learn and and to walk this out um so so uh praise you to that um yeah your credit to your wives i'm sure you've, you've done them both proud and um i really appreciate what you bought this evening it's been uh it's been a pleasure um until next time um i know for the torah hardcore torah guys out there who say birthdays are pagan <laughs> i just want to note that the upper room i think we've begun just over a year now oh so happy birthday to to the upper room we're still here praise yah uh here's to here's to many more episodes in the future yah willing um yeah uh yeah again it's been it's been a privilege it's been a blessing uh i hope it's my hope and i'm sure i speak for all of us here it's our hope that this conversation uh blesses you i hope it inspires you to uh walk this out um as best as you can by the spirit uh, um, um, obviously by uh, by the ways of Yeshua Messiah um, but yet again thank you so much for joining us um, all of your uh, all of your input and interaction is greatly appreciated and uh, yeah from uh, from our house to yours uh, this has been the upper room Shalom Shalom, Shalom.